Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, a little post-game edition. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Uh, you know, same as everybody else. <laughs> a little upset, uh, not feeling great about this. Uh, just to get right into it, I was optimistic. I famously, I predicted them to win and for it to be by 14. So I don't know where to go from here. This Rams team that they're going to play next week, they look good. They look like, really good. We'll see if they fall apart or anything. But right now they are, I believe, tied 17-17 with San Francisco. I was just watching it before I came up here thinking like, okay, well, yeah, tied 17-17. And the 49ers are punting on a fourth and seven right now. But um, they that team looks legit. If you can hang with San Francisco, you can hang with anybody. I had this down as one of their wins in my mind early on. It's like, okay, they'll win that game. I mean, I can't name five Rams defenders. Well, they're playing well. Yeah. I, I've i lost optimism and confidence, and there's a lot that goes into why, but their face, they lost today at home to a Ravens team that was missing their starting center, who's probably their second or third best offensive lineman, their left tackle, who is probably their best offensive lineman. They're in the game. They lost their third wide receiver. Some could say second. He was doing better than Bateman in this game. Uh, Beckham set him down. Lost their most explosive running back, a guy that can create plays for them uh, in the run and pass game. And then that's just on offense. On the defensive side, they were down. They're starting their number one best corner. The only guy that can hang with the Bengals wide receivers, the, their, one of their real good safeties. I th- still think he's the best, even if Kyle Hampton's, you know, making some waves. I still think that Marcus Williams is probably their best safety. And they were down. It might just been all those in my mind. I, I was trying to think of anybody else, but yeah, uh, that's that's so many injuries. That's like the Bengals going into this game down Reader and uh Awuzier and then also Kappa and Orlando Brown and a whole bunch of different guys. It's like I, I wouldn't predict the Bengals to win that game going into Baltimore down all those guys. And they just lost the other end of that. So I've lost, I've lost some optimism. I don't think they're dead in the water or anything, but man, this is a team I thought was going to compete for the one seed. And I kind of gave excuses for week one because, you know, rain game didn't look terrible, but now I don't know where to go because they don't look like – and they didn't last year, so it is what it is, slow start, blah, blah, blah. I just lost some optimism. If you ask me right now, 
I would predict the Rams to beat them at home next week. Yeah, I would I would say I would say I'm a I'm a fairly optimistic person when I talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, I I, I even last year when they started knowing too, I was like, look, they're just slow. That's just what happens. Your quarterback's not getting camp. It's it, it it's it's this, it's that. It's different. When I when I think of optimism right now, it is very, very low. It is so low, and I'm not trying to be an overreaction right now, but it's so low that I don't think this team is good enough to win their own division. Um, they, they've done it in back-to-back years, and, and you look right at Right now, no, uh, but, you know, I, I, again, it's it's week two, so, you know, the grain of salt of they could completely right the ship. But, yeah, right now, if you're like, what are the odds? Who wins yeah. the division? I'd have Baltimore as the leader and probably the Browns number two and then the Bengals. Well, this is why I don't feel like this team is is built to win the AFC North right now. It is very concerning when it comes to Joe Burrow's calf. Um, There there are a lot of things. I know Joe Burrow, I know Zach Taylor said that he could have, if they needed him on that last drive to come out there, he was planning on going back out there. But I I watched Joe Burrow come off the field. And Joe is normally really good at hiding anything that's happening or when he's coming off a field or if he's dealing with pain or an injury. But he was just gingerly walking. And you could tell when he's squeezing, like it just, it, it, it didn't look pleasant. And I know Joe Burrow talked to the media and he said, look, I'm just going to have to feel it out. We'll see how I'm feeling day to day when it comes to um, the calf injury. But, but it was tweaked. You know, this isn't a good thing. This is something that we, we were talk we talked about during the camp about, is this something that Joe Burrow is going to have linger all regular season or is he going to be fully healthy or is it 90%? We really didn't know, but we knew he wasn't 100% in week one. He wasn't 100% in week two. And that is my biggest concern right now. It is 20 times different from being 0-2 last year in the Steelers game and the Dallas game to being 0-2 right now in divisional play, AFC North games, back-to-back weeks, and your quarterback is dealing with something we don't know how long and if this is just going to be a season thing for Joe Burrow. And that's why I'm not optimistic right now. Yeah, I do think that is a big factor into why I don't have that much optimism because it's hard to predict them getting better. But even if Burrow didn't tweak the calf, I don't know if I could predict them to beat the, the Rams. They just don't look like the right team right now. I will say, I mean <clears> – <throat> When it comes to like how the offense performed, I didn't think it was all around terrible. I thought they just started really slow. And it that was a little bit of the difference. We can get into that a little bit. The quarterback difference, I think, decided the game was Lamar Jackson looked awesome and rarely missed. And when they had him dead to rights, he'd find a way find a way to gain yards out of it, find a way to pump. He had that pump fake and then flick the ball to the guy and gain positive yards. I think there were a hundred different times I was yelling at the TV because the Bengals have two, sometimes three or four guys surrounding him. And he finds a way to just not like smoke them all and pick up a hundred yards, but just not go down and find a way to get positive yards out of that. And that's just not something the Bengals have right now. They get their guys in space one-on-one. I'm thinking of the Irv Smith play against cover zero and he gets tackled instead. Like that's the same type of opportunity where look, you make that guy miss and now you're getting a ton of positive yards, but Bengals weren't making those guys miss very often. So that was an issue. I thought Lamar was better than Burrow in this game, and that could be calf related. It could just be that he was better in this game. I have him in my mind, similar to your quarterback. Like there's Mahomes kind of by himself at number one. And then you got like, you know, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, but also Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. That's not in order or anything. I'm just 
that's I don't really order them. I just in my mind, like yeah, that's a guy that I I'd really love on my team and could win games, but uh lit it up and uh Burrow did not, especially early on. I just think oh, there are so many issues on offense, but starting the game three and out, three and out. In the first quarter, the Bengals defense was on the field for 10 minutes. And that's how long I believe the Ravens. Yeah, that's how long the Ravens defense was on the field for the first half. So they really struggled getting off the field and a bunch of long drives. And some of that goes against the defense, but I just don't think the offense put them in a good spot to start. Their second drive, wasn't that the one they started at the 50? And they went run for a yard, pass for no gain, incompletion punt. It was like, oh my God. Did you see the difference in when the Bengals had that turnover? Um, It was what the, the next play was a Zay Flowers bomb. It's like, that's usually what you do when you get to midfield like that, the quick change, everything you're like, okay, quick change, you know, massive shift. Let's compound that. Let's play fake and take a shot down the field. I, I don't know, but I haven't seen the tape. I don't know what the Ravens were trying to do on defense, but it did just, it stifled them early on. I thought second half Bengals offense was good, but the first was- half kind of ruined it. Other than the pick, that pick was just terrible. And Joe admitted it, admitted it. Like after the game, he was like, look, I, I need to see the field better. And that is yeah. on Joe Burrow. And look at the end of the day, it's a difference maker when you lose a game by three points. They went down and scored mm-hmm. off of that. So, you know, we can look back at the interception by Joe Burrow. And, and I agree with you. Here's the problem. It's getting really exhausting starting 0-2 every year. Or not even 0-2, but just struggling. I think 1-7 um, in their last week 1-2 and two for the Cincinnati Bengals over the last few years. It's just getting a little exhausting. And and this offense to be so slow in the first half is a difference maker. You were at home. You have a little bit of advantage there. You're dealing with a team with, with that has injuries in their secondary. And for me personally, I know you're going to go back and watch the tape and we'll break that down a little more on Tuesday's episode. But it just felt like they, they weren't taking advantage of a depleted secondary for the Bengals offense early in the first half. Yeah. No. I mean, the, the drive they got rolling – in the at the end of the second quarter, it was it's kind of funny. It was uh, a pass interference against Stevens because they finally is like we're just going to go at that guy. Ran duo to his side and ran right at him. And then the next play, it was a completion to T Higgins against him. And then I think he might have got pulled because then I didn't see him come up. Uh, they went after Darius Washington a little bit. Last play of that drive was the incompletion, and that was Rocky Sin in coverage. And Rocky Sin has been their cornerback four. So I'm wondering if he got kind of like the call up and he played a little bit better than Stevens did. But I was just surprised it took so long to get to that point because, yeah, you can do things to protect those corners. You could still attack them, though. Like, find a way to isolate your guy against that guy. And they eventually did, and that was a lot of the offense. But early on, it was just like I – the issue to me was early downs in the first Mm -hmm. two quarters because they got to third and eight and third and nine. And they didn't convert those, but you have to do better. You shouldn't be in that spot. You have to stay on schedule. This it's hard to live in third and long and you can get it. I don't know what the best team does in third and long, but I imagine it's nowhere near 50%. It's probably like 33% in third and long situations, which I'm thinking like eight plus, which is what both those were. Um, One of the biggest differences was they started getting a bunch of third manageables. They went five for six on uh, third down after starting over two and they averaged like 2.6 yards to convert meanwhile the over two was eight and a half yards uh 
at, between the two plays. So yeah, when you're looking at that, it's like, okay, we need to be better early on. And then they got better early on, but too little too late. Like you're playing from behind so much and it's, it's tough. I thought Burrow looked a bit, he looked a bit like himself, but I do mm-hmm. think he was rusty. I, obviously the pick and just in general, some missed passes. I could think of a couple dump offs, which is the weird thing it was like the dump offs were the ones that are in active guys, like having to reach back or go across their body or just completely missing them. Um, the real big one that the ball just lay in the middle of the field. That was just another option route that corner quarterback wide receiver, not on the same page. And that to me was a sign of like, yeah, Burrow wasn't in camp. They're not seeing it the exact same way right now. Yeah. And, and Joe talked about that. He's like, look, when, when your quarterback misses a lot of camp, it, you're, you're going to see this. And, and we knew that going in. So I'm not trying to use that as, as an excuse, but you add on the calf injury. And for me personally, I'm not sure how you felt. And I know we talked about it. The second half looked better for the offense, but there were, there was a certain point when they were driving for that TD, that they were going really slow on offense, and I didn't understand it. Yeah, I remember, and it was a good run. Yeah. Um, that first and 10, in the red, like right when they got to the red zone, they handed it off, and now is not the time. But then I see him carrying guys, and I just turned to like, yeah, go, go. But my first instinct seeing that was just like, okay, I'm not a hundred percent sure why you are trying to hand this ball off right now. And multiple times I thought about tweeting it right when the drive started, I was thinking like, okay, this, I would treat this like two minute drill, like hurry up most of the drive and try to just work your way down the field that way. And the, they completed, I believe the first play was either a complete pass or a run. And then just went right back to the huddle clock was down to 15 seconds on the next snap. It's like, okay, they're treating it like, we need to just score, which I guess, but I, and that's where that timeout you burn kind of comes back at you, but they had a chance. They gave their defense a chance to get them the ball back and Mm -hmm. with two minutes left and they didn't do it. Um, I want to talk more about that side eventually, but we're going to spend like the first half or so on the offensive side. Did you have any feelings about non-borough players? Anybody stand out to you in a good or bad way on offense? In a good way? There's okay. actually a couple, uh, and, and in more of on the special team side, I could point to Charlie Jones, but oh, uh, my man. other guys, T. What Higgins. an electric, what an electric return that just sparked so much yes. life. That team. It did. T. Higgins. Well, we're in two places. I'm jumping, I'm jumping, I'm jumping. We're like the Bengals <laughs> offense right now. Um, but even kind of going back to Charlie Jones, I agree with you. It was a spark because all we heard during preseason, during his first game. Oh, people wrote his career off, just like oh, he was going. everybody else that didn't play super well in the preseason. Yeah, so it was good to see that. And, and you hope to see that out of your special teams because special teams was a struggle last week. So going on the other side, when it comes to the offensive weapons and you say, hey, is there anybody else, good or bad? I'll, I'll point to the good. And I know we'll talk a little more about offensive line on Tuesday's episode when you have a chance to go back and watch some more of the tape. But off for, for wide receivers, it was T. Higgins. It was going to be a bounce back game for him. And I'm glad that he was able to be that target. It just feels like there's so many opportunities on the offensive side of the ball. There was a Jamar Chase catch that normally Jamar Chase catches that would have been a touchdown you look at Joe Burrow's red zone interception so there was just a lot of missed opportunity on the offense but I did think the offense did look better from week one which it was only going to go up after that performance after the first two drives yeah yeah the first two drives looked like week one I went oh no but um (laughs) yep because the Ravens started with a seven and a half minute drive and then the offense went three and out and then the Ravens are driving another four minute drive I'm like they're like that defense is going to be gassed. They're 
they're beyond tired. Give them a shot, guys. But um, yeah, I think the guy you say T. Higgins, that's the obvious mm-hmm. one. That second touchdown. Oh my god, I did, how did he get the second foot down? Like, oh, I don't know. He was right in front of him. Oh, right. nice. But yeah. I was too busy thinking, how in the world are they gonna get three more points at that time? Yeah. The the first one was just a dunk classic, mm-hmm. but the second one I was like, oh my god, that's why that's why he's gonna get a giant bag whenever he, he finally does get his extension. Hopefully, to me, hopefully from the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another guy that stood out in a positive way was Joe Mixon again, mm-hmm. and just like he looks healthy, man. He looks healthy. He's powerful. He's got a little bit of elusiveness to him. He's staying on his feet through contact, like. I feel very good about my take all off season that he might bounce back because I think he was hurt for a lot of last year. He's been healthy and he's looked awesome. And I thought he was probably top 10 ish. Maybe yeah. you could, you, it, uh, I think some people were in, maybe could have included me sneak, trying to sneak him in that top five, two years ago <laughs> because he was awesome. It's like, he doesn't yeah. turn the ball over. He's very efficient. He's strong. He runs like how you, he, he's like a coach's running back in my mind where he usually makes the right decision. He runs, you know, through contact and he holds onto the ball. That's really what coaches want. Uh, you know, some of the guys like the the Alvin Kamara's of the world, that's awesome and doing all that. But sometimes I feel like coaches are probably like, come on, you know, like, let's just keep gaining out these six yard gains. And that's kind of what Mixon's able to give him. But when he stays on his feet, runs through contact, it's, it's great. I think he's a very bright part of the offense so far. Um, but to the other side, is there anybody you were disappointed in how they played? Well, when you think of the other side of the offensive line right now, I think it really, it's going to come back to just seeing more of those reps. Cause I'm watching the game live and and, and I want to see mm-hmm. the offensive line. I want to see how much time Joe Burrow had. I know, I know Jonah was getting a few, uh, there was some criticism on Jonah Williams. So I thought that sack was on Burrow, by the way. Did you? What's your pressure? Game? Pressure might've been on Jonah, but Burrow stepped up into the offensive line, like, can I get rid of the ball, man? Yeah. <laughs> and there. you could argue it's on Jonah. I just, when I first saw that, I thought, like, uh, he just ran into his offensive line. Maybe if the calf's healthy, he rolls out to the right because Clowney lost contain, and maybe one of the defensive tackles was kind of coming over for that, but it felt more to me like Clowney gambled around the outside, missed the sack, and then instead of Burrow kind of rolling right, which he did a lot of this game, so I'm not saying that he can't do it, uh, he kind of went up into the offensive line. And then I think the eyes dropped because he ran into his offensive lineman trying to keep his eyes downfield. Like, okay, where is everybody right now? And then got sacked. And, and I think we could probably say the same thing about Cordell Wilson. Um, it, it, it hasn't been a good first two weeks for it him. Hasn't. It hasn't. And, and I'm not trying to put this on the offensive line because it's okay to criticize the franchise quarterback. It, mm-hmm. it, it's fine. You know, he's getting paid a lot of money to be the franchise quarterback. But at the same time, there are there are a lot of things with this offense. And I know a lot of people want to point at the preseason. They should have they should have been out there during preseason. It's going to be a difference maker if you do not have your quarterback out there with your offensive line and your wide receivers. You need yeah. a Joe out there. So when Joe isn't ticking, this offense isn't made to be OK. Joe, Joe is the reason that it that it works. And when Joe is off, it, it doesn't. And I don't even want to put that on the offense in this game because I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's offensive line. It's Joe. I think the calf injury, and we'll finish up offense after this, but the calf injury for me personally, it's the biggest concern right now because this is something that we're going to have to deal with with, with this offense 
for the foreseeable future. We just don't know what it looks like. They do get one extra day with the game being on Monday Night Football, but you have to think what is smart right now. You're 0-2. You're in a hole right now in your division in the in the NFL overall. What do you do with your franchise quarterback if he isn't? I don't, I don't even know what percentage because, again, we are not doctors on this podcast, but the, the calf injury for me personally – it all just comes back to that when it comes to the disappointments. And it's not that it's Joe Burrow's fault. It's just something that it's very concerning. Yeah, I know my thoughts on the calf were basically the team doesn't seem to have much of a reaction, so I don't have much of a reaction. Now I do have a little bit of a reaction. It's like, okay, it doesn't seem good. No, like it doesn't seem right. I, I still don't, I don't know if that's the reason why he played poorly for some of this game mm-hmm. and great for some other parts of the game. I think that might be more rust than anything. And I, I thought he did look legit good for a lot of the game. And a lot of the stats, like, you know, his EPA per play, everything's going to go down because of one decision and that interception, because that took three, that took at least three, possibly seven points off the board. I think it was on first or second down. It wasn't a third down pick. And either way, you don't throw those picks in the red zone. Um, tough. Uh, I think we are at the point where I was a little lower on Irv Smith this year. And we may be now at the point where, yeah, that's probably where we should be is he's probably not a receiving upgrade over Hayden Hurst and CJ Uzama. And he's not a blocking upgrade over them for sure. Cause of his size. Uh, this is, I guess, you know, well, I hope he turns it around. I like him. I think he moves well, if he can create some separation and, you know, work those things. But where I am right now is kind of like, oof. Could this be not a giant one, but just a slight width in terms of trying to find that year, that one year rental tight end? I I, I think going to, and they went to Irv a couple times and it just didn't work. And and we can point out like, you know, him and Joe getting those reps, getting comfortable with each other, but it's really not working out. And, and there's no excuse though. I mean, you maybe we feel different if he gets his second foot down on that first target down the field, but he did a good job getting open on it. (laughs) He just, he got open a lot. It just, it never felt like him and Joe were on the same page when, when they were trying to connect. So for me personally, maybe it gets better. Maybe it gets better. And and it's been underwhelming right now. And look, I'm not trying to be like season's over, you know, they're, they're not going to be. No, and I, I did say, I'm like, I don't really think they're coming up say North right now, but Hey, look, that's my reaction right now because it's, it isn't the same as last year. You're 0-2. You have a, I would say a pretty hot Rams team coming into Monday night football to pretty mm-hmm. much prove everybody wrong when everybody's doubting them. You know, who do they have on their team? They still have a lot of playmakers and Matthew Stafford to a lot of people is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So you have that coming around the Play corner. Like he is. So, um, so offensive Offensive-wise, we'll, we'll stay there. We'll, we'll flip over to the defensive side right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I, look, it's okay to criticize Lou. It's okay to criticize the defense because we can do that with the franchise quarterback on the offensive side. We can tell Zach Taylor he's not doing a great job when it comes to calling plays. But on defense, they struggled today. They struggled hard. And my first thought was this was supposed to be an advantageous matchup for their defensive line against a very beat-up Ravens offensive line. Not much taken advantage of the only thing i can think of was reader drawing two holding penalties on back-to-back plays and other than that like what big plays does this defensive line make i saw one-on-one opportunities for uh trey Anderson against patrick mccarry and he didn't get home and i'm like man that is a matchup you have to win when you get that one-on-one you know you got to run through him and get to lamar and maybe watching it back it'll be something like well lamar he did affect Lamar, but Lamar was just, you know, got out of that and ran for five yards or 10 yards or something because he seemed to do that a lot this game, or maybe just went and go made a play out of structure. 
But my first thought watching was, oh, that wasn't great. And then to go with it, there was, man, the run game for the Ra- for the Ravens. Every short yardage situation felt like they were just going to be able to mow them over and pick it up. Every early down, this Ravens offense was rarely in third and long because they stayed on schedule and they ran the ball down their throats on early downs. It's tough. Like that was the most disappointing thing for me. Yeah. I think everybody is available for criticism. I think in this game, yeah. it's hard to find guys who played well <laughs> because I can think of plays from every single guy. I'm like, man, I didn't like that. Didn't like that at all the corners. And I feel like we don't, I feel like this fan base doesn't keep the same energy for some guys as they do others because anytime Nick Scott missed a tackle or was near a play that got thrown to him, thrown to a guy around him, it was like, he's trash, get him off the field. Came to the brick, got toasted today. He did. He, he, did. Did, he had a holding penalty, two holding penalties. Right? Little, well, one, 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 was, one was Odell doing his thing. So I'll yeah. let that slide. Still had yeah. a different one. He had another holding penalty that was absolutely legit against Zay Flowers. Got toasted down the field by Zay Flowers. It's just like, man, I think he's a, I think he's a solid player, but I, that was not a good game from him. And I just, you know, people don't really, people don't really talk about that part. They just, you know, they want to yell about Nick Scott. I mean, I remember I tweeted and said, oh, I think that's a head or neck injury for Nick Scott. And one of my replies was like, good, get him off the field. And I was like, now's not the time. But no, no, okay. no, no, no. They just yeah. don't. It's it feels very much, and maybe this is why I have been such a Nick Scott truther. It feels very much like this fan base wants him to fail and because they don't like him. Um, like Jonah. Like Jonah, yeah. And that, then look where I am with Jonah and where I keep trying to say he's just a fine tackle. He gave up pressure today. He didn't play well. I think the sack could have been at least 50% or so on Burrow. But both these guys, it feels like the fan base wants them to fail. And that's, it's not – you're allowed to criticize anybody, but be fair with it. That's all I think is like there's a difference between normal um, critique – and then there's a there's the other side of that, which is kind of the unfair. Uh, I, I'm trying to find a good word for it, but it's kind of like shame fraud of like rooting for a, trying to watch a guy enjoy watching them fail. And it's like they're on your team, man. Yeah. And yeah, Jordan Battle went out there. He was no different than Nick Scott, I don't think. And I, but also. How are we having these takes on safeties? We can't even see them on the tape. You know, they're watching broadcasts and they just go off the screen. It's like, I just don't understand how they have all these massive takes on safeties. To me, I was most disappointed in Cam Taylor Britt and a little bit, it's just one play, but how did Chidobe Rousier give up that touchdown to Nelson Aguilar? I think, oh man, I see that matchup one-on-one man coverage. You're not going to get help on that situation. That gave me the very slightest alarm bell of I'm not sure his athleticism right now is where it was before the injury, just because you no know, snag was really fast, but I feel like past Cheetah would have been over the top on that, or at least been in a position to make a play on it. I agree with you there. I think you can look at the corners right now and be like, that was a very disappointing response. When I see that on the highlight of Cheeto getting beat it's very disappointing but i agree with you um when it comes to rep counts acl how do you feel his speed and be and patient with him i know yeah to, i just this to. game it was just one of the biggest plays but i would say Kim Tillibert expected more i don't think he zay flowers is a good matchup for him i think he wants to be against big physical guys not those small shifty types but still you know if, if he's going to be you know a true you know number one type corner 
got to be able to match up against that guy and be able to exert his will a little bit, probably at the press point, which he didn't do. And Zay Flowers isn't going anywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, he's there for at least four or five more years, at yeah, least. So that's a matchup you're going to see, you know, you're going to see often, obviously. But kind of just staying with the defense right now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And again, you know, this is a reaction right after the game and you're watching the game live. You'll go back, you'll watch the tape. But defensively, we talked about the pressure getting to Lamar and they really struggled. I felt like there was an opportunity the last drive the Baltimore Ravens oh. had for Sam Hubbard to go home and at least stop him on the three. There were So I might, this might be part of what I write about, but I don't know. I, I still can't figure I always watch the game and then figure out what I'm going to write about, but man. So I don't think Lou had a bad play call on that. Okay. I think he did a good job covering things down the field. What they ran. I, I don't know the exact play they ran because you can't see down the field. Um, but it was definitely a spy. Like I've seen some people say like, oh, how do you not have a spy on Lamar in that situation? The spy was Wilson. Mm -hmm. And the first thing Lamar did on that play was kind of start to run to his left. And Wilson crashed hard. Like he's coming down, like I'm going to go sack him. But then Lamar stops, like one foot stops and then turns and starts running to his right. And Wilson's washed at that point. Just, he is stuck in the offensive line. He can't get over the top. And now you've lost that guy. And then Sam Hubbard, you could argue like, and I, I think I did argue like maybe you could disengage and just hold him up, but he didn't. And it's tough. That was another starters. Uh, the Both right guard and right tackle. Those were their starters last year, starters this year. Uh, Zeitler, still a good player. Morgan Moses, still solid player. So like, those weren't the guys that I thought they'd take advantage of. I thought it was center, left guard, left tackle they could take advantage of and didn't see it too much. Um, but yeah, that play was tough because I believe they had, I think they had man coverage called, which means, you know, backs turned to the quarterback. And then they were trusting that Logan Wilson would be able to spy and contain him and maybe hold him up or bring him down for help. Instead, he got washed into the line. And then you're kind of playing, okay, Sam Hubbard, can you disengage and make the play of the game here? he wasn't able to there was another play though uh early on and was nick scott was free runner he got back there and lamar made a miss and then sam hubbard's on the other side and lamar made him miss and it's like you two have to work together here mm -hmm. <laughs> one inside one outside and keep squeezing into him so that he can't do this but he made them both miss and then i believe picked up the first down and was on third down it was tough another play earlier i was like man lamar just made him look silly and that's, that's just tough. You know, This is a good tackling team, and they didn't look like it today. And maybe I, I shouldn't think of them as a good tackling team. Now, they were last year, and they were the year before, but there are new pieces. I just – the middle of the field was taken advantage of a lot in this game, and it felt to me like the linebackers and the nickel and sometimes the safety weren't squeezing things enough because you want to squeeze those windows when you're playing against this team because they have Mark Andrews and guys that like to work over the middle of the field. And it felt more like they had eyes on Lamar, a guy would run in front of them and then he wouldn't move to try to squeeze that window and make a play on the ball. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to go back and, and watch that tape and look, yeah. you know, to be completely honest, I, I always kind of like end it full picture, full circle of where this team is right now. They're, they're Owen too. I know a lot of people want to point to last year and say, well, they're 0-2. It does feel a little bit different because of Joe Burrow's health. We don't know what's going on. Um, you know, Joe talked after. It's just going to see how it feels day to day. Uh, it's going to be a one-day extra longer week for the Cincinnati Bengals because they do have Monday Night Football. Uh, but the biggest thing right now is, is you know, you got to look in your mirror. 
it doesn't get easier for you. Um, you have a Rams team coming to town, a Titans team who's currently um, rolling right they beat now. The Chargers. They but, did. So yeah. I mean, it, it it isn't. It is. I mean, it sounds silly, and I know people are like, "Oh, we we understand," but it's hard to win in the NFL. Um, you were, were a top dog in the AFC for the last two years and health is extremely important. So the biggest thing right now for me personally is you get those updates on, on Joe Burrow. You make that decision. They have great people, trainers on staff who will make that decision on, uh, kind of what's going on with Joe. And, and, and that's going to be something that you're going to want to watch, but, uh, you know, you, you can't take next week as saying, Oh, it's just the Rams in town. It, it doesn't get easy for this team. And they do have a, a few more question marks. I feel, um, even on the defensive side as they go into week three of the season. It's not a great feeling, I would say. Yep. Um, last point for me is four winnable games coming up. I know this Rams team is good. And I said at the top, I would probably pick them if they played tomorrow. I'd pick the Rams over the Bengals just because of Burris calf and how the Bengals have started this year. Yeah. Um, they're legit. But if you can beat them, I mean, you got the Titans who are sneaky. Mm. I think I've always thought of them as kind of sneaky. You know, Mike Vrabel's always going to be in it. But then the Cardinals and the Seahawks. The Seahawks are also a solid team. Uh, I believe they either beat or kept up with the Lions today. Can't remember. They which. won in overtime. Okay, there we go. Okay, so you know none of these teams are bad, but these are winnable games for a team. If if they are, if this Bengals team is what we think it is, these are winnable games. Can you go three out of four? Because if you are less than three and three, and then your next two games are San Francisco and Buffalo after that, that's hard. <laughs> that is that is not an easy you could be three and five and that would be tough um and still have to play the chiefs and still have to play the jaguars and still have to play the ravens and the browns again so that would be a rough spot to be in but hey week by week i'm just kind of looking ahead a little bit of like i mm -hmm. think if it was me I'd want to be at least three and three going into those two tough games. So if you split those, you're four and four, and that feels okay rather than going into that game two and four and hoping to turn your season around against two tough opponents. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens next time we talk. will be Tuesday, a chance to look at the tape, a little more of a breakdown on the offense, defense, and even special team side on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.